0: Here's the other interesting thing. You know who likes a bunch of Antonio Brown's tweets? You know who, who Antonio Brown keeps retweeting? Go on. Daniel Baldwin. As in one of the Baldwin brothers. Like, really? Listen,
1: your friend was one of the Baldwin brothers. Does he, does he retweet him too? Maybe. But, but I was like, this is odd. Everything about Antonio Brown is odd. There is nothing that he has done yeah. in the last maybe eighteen months that is not odd. Yeah, but for for
0: for some <laughs> reason for me the, the Baldwin brother love is you know You are listening to
1: episode 34 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline in a hastily thrown-together format. Brought to us by... It's November! I'm Carlos Alcazar. With me as is, is most of the case, Dave Turnbull.
0: November. Yes, it is, Carlos. And you know what that means. Grey Cup.
1: It's It means something. It means something. I'm more uh, partial to the Avco Cup. You know, legitimate cups. Memorial Cup... You know, my cup of beer. Like, there's, there's some real cups, and then you know, there's that other one. Whatever works for you, man. Hey, listen, when you, uh, when you get the uh, aqua cup or the fuchsia cup, then, then we will talking. Gray's a little dull for me. Not, not feeling it. Not feeling that cup. Anyway, it's been a little while since we've done a podcast. You know, scheduling issues. Some Life gets in the way a little bit. And some things have happened. And it's and I do want to address one thing uh, before we get into it. We won't do the regular news and notes. We will do a little bit of that. But one thing I do want to address is that we kind of have to do a little recap of the World Series. Because it did end. It's been a little over a week now since the World Series ended. And I'll be honest with you. I, I do have a couple of thoughts in here. We won't go into all of them. But I do want to talk about a couple of specific things. First of all is... Congratulations to the Washington Nationals on winning the World Series. For the first time technically in the city since 1924, that franchise does not go back to 1924. It goes back to 19, I believe, 69 when the Montreal Expos uh, became a franchise and then moved to Washington. Half-hearted belated congratulations to the former Expos franchise, current Washington franchise. Good for the people of Washington anyway, at least... Their team's won something. They did get the Stanley Wait, Cup. Wait, people th- live in Washington? Sometimes. They they did get the Stanley Cup, though, a couple of years ago, so that was good. And now the baseball team has won something. And the football team is doomed, probably. Take what you can get. So at least, at least that's something. I will say, though, that one of the biggest things uh, that stuck out to me in this World Series was this is probably the— and I was saying to Dave earlier, this is probably one of the dullest seven-game World Series that I can think of in recent memory, only because although you did have— Seven games technically should be filled with drama. And I guess there was little... There were isolated moments of drama. But there. But it felt like almost every game, obviously the road team won every single game, which is really a rare occurrence. I don't know if that's happened before. I don't believe so. I think that was a first for that, for the World Series. And considering how long the game's been around, any firsts are kind of stand out. But the the real issue for me was that none of the games were really in doubt. In fact, I think game one was the only game that was like kind of a one-run game. Everything else just kind of like, once a team got ahead by a couple of runs, that was more or less the end of it. With the exception of game seven, where, you know, a two-nothing lead evaporated, but, you know, two-nothing isn't quite the same as having three or four or five runs. Once you got to about three or four runs though up, I think that was curtains for every single game in that series, which is kind of rare and also kind of takes a little of the drama, a little of the fun out of it because there were really no big comebacks.
0: Yeah, I think like like you said earlier when we were talking about this before we went on air, this is a, probably a World Series is going to be remembered for. Obviously, it's going to be remembered for the Nationals winning it, but I think when people look to okay, you know, what was the signature moment in this series, or what was it about this series just to stand out, or whatever, it's going to be well, Washington won, good for Washington. You know, it didn't seem to be that they had a huge amount of drama, and it's it's one of those things where whenever they make the. The HD DVD of the World Series Highlights, Carlos. The HD DVD? Yeah. That's, that's you, just you, a dig. You know, you know, you know that's, that's a dig at you for the, for the Green Bay Super Bowl, right?
1: I, I understand, but the HD DVD was an actual format. And well, you know
0: what I mean. The yeah, Blue the Ray, Blu-ray. The whatever. Blu-ray. You know what I meant, though.
1: I, I have HD DVDs. I can give you one.
0: No, it's the, fine. It's, it's still fine. a dig at the fact that for some reason that Green Bay Super Bowl is the only Super Bowl that isn't in HD. But
1: you know, I, I would I would like to think that, um, and I can only hope that the that the box set actually only comes out in DVD. Then the Washington Nationals fans can feel my pain.
0: Fair enough. You know, I just I just don't uh, envy the person whose job it is to make a highlight package of this and make it sound like it was a compelling series.
1: That's true. They do have, historically, they have had that. So they, they usually have, like, the two things. You've got, like, the, the World Series highlight DVD, which is just, like, the one DVD that talks about the whole series, like a mini documentary. And then you've got the, the box set that has all the games. Normally, the box set with all the games is kind of the one that's kind of fun. If your team wins, that's the one you want to get because then you can kind of relive that moment. Uh, I have a few of those. Even, even though the Jays never got one released, and I don't think they're going to unless they win another one, um, I do have, like, the 2001 World Series on a box set DVD, and that was a ridiculous series. And then the 2011, which was a ridiculous So think of a comparison. This is why I'm saying, like, when we're talking about seven-game series, I'm thinking of like 2000. I think 2001 went to seven games as well. Yes, it did. Yeah, so that was an
0: exciting was, series. Well, with the amount of blown saves and it, then the walk off hit, it was back and, and
1: forth. And there was there was drama all. Mariano
0: over. Rivera on the mound yeah. for the walk off hit. Like you yeah. know those those things. And
1: 2011 stand out. was when the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Texas Rangers, <laughs> and that was where the Texas Rangers had the series 1 several times and couldn't close the door. And then St. Louis ended up coming back to. That's a seven game series <laughs> that like. We're almost a decade past both the first one, the second one, and then almost two decades past the first one, and I can tell you moments in the 2001 World Series that I remember vividly, and I can tell you moments in the 2011 World Series that I remember vividly, and although I enjoyed the fact that the Nationals won, I enjoyed their players, I enjoyed the franchise and how they built that team, I don't know if I'm going to remember the 2019 World Series with quite the same, um, with quite the same vividness. Even though, it, even though it's made it to seven games, I, I just don't know if it's going to stick with me uh, quite to the same degree. Now, so that's the main kind of overarching thing. A couple of more quick uh, notes and thoughts that I have on the World Series as well that I kind of want to talk about a little bit, and I'd like to get your two cents on this as well. So there's two things. I want to know when A.J. Hinch went full Dave Roberts. What the heck happened there in game seven? And what I'm referring to here, really, is what it comes down to is Zach Greinke was pitching well in game seven. And Houston, really, after Game 5, it looked like Washington was dead to rights. Game 6, you know, they were facing Strasburg. Strasburg won the MVP of the World Series. So he was lights out. So he was pitching great the whole series anyway. But the thing is, so Game 6, I, I can give it to you. That's not, it's not, it's not a big deal. What I would say though in Game 7 is Zach Greinke was pitching well. Uh, he got into a little bit of trouble, gave up a run, gave up a walk. But the thing is, he was still pitching well. But if you're going to pull him, In my opinion, and this is something I mentioned to Dave, in my opinion, I think at that point, you go with your best pitcher. Whoever you've got that's the best. It's game seven. You've got no more games after this. And, you know, you got free agency coming up with some of these players. You throw out Garrett Cole. You you get him to pitch a couple innings for you, and then you get to the closer. That's really all you have to do. That, you know, shut the door on this thing. Don't leave it open, and don't put somebody else out there. And A.J. Hinch just decides to, like, start trying to get really clever. He starts going into his book going like, oh, who can I do, you know, matchups. I'm like, no, no, no. Garrett Cole is your best pitcher. Send out your best guy. Even if he has to pitch four innings, who cares? It's game seven of the World Series. You're not getting – he'll have months to recover. His his job at that point is just to shut it down, and I promise you, I don't think he would have fought you on this. I think he would have gone out there and pitched. And then at least you would have gone – and then if you still lose, at least you went out throwing out your best gun. At least you're going to feel like you did everything you could.
0: Yeah, but I think – I think even because he's a starter, because he's already pitched, because he's on short rest, I think if, it's, if it turned out the way, same way it did, I think you're still leaving yourself open to a bunch of second-guessing if you're A.J. Hinch. Totally. It's got to go well for you, and pe- otherwise people are going to second-guess you. Totally. In either scenario.
1: But A.J. Hinch had one advantage by doing the Garrett Cole move. Garrett Cole was going to be a free agent next year. Number one. Number two. Garrett Cole was your best pitcher, so from that perspective, it makes perfect logical sense. Number three, let's talk about that 2001 World Series I mentioned to you. You know who pitched right at the end of the series on basically no rest? Randy Johnson. No one cares. It's Game Seven of the World Series.
0: At that well, point, and it worked out too. Yeah,
1: but the thing is, even if it doesn't work out, you've already won a World Series. The point is, you have a little bit more leeway. We can I, we can give Dave Roberts the business on his, on all his managerial decisions because guess what? He has nothing to show for it. He has no. If he had won a World Series, we'd have to give him some leeway. You know He could do some really stupid stuff, and we have to at least give him the, the, the courtesy of some yeah, leeway that that's you did fair. win something, where A.J. Hinch had that. So at that point, you know what? You can take the risk. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I would say – so that's one aspect of it. But leading off of that aspect of it, the, the other reason why I'm kind of keen on hitting on this point – so again, progressive nationals, but they're almost like a side story to this. The bigger impact of this – and this is kind of an interesting thing for me – is that the Houston Astros blowing this. And for all intents and purposes, to be blunt, they did. Because after Game 5, they were in control. They were really cruising towards another championship, second in three years. The Houston Astros kind of put themselves in this precarious position where they were all primed and lined up to potentially be the team of this decade. Every decade has a team, a franchise, somebody that, you know, kind of dominates. And, you know, you can do it by different criteria. And The Ringer actually did an excellent article on this. And if I can find the article for you, I'll add it to the show notes for this one. And they actually were talking about this exact issue because now that we're at the end of the decade, next year's 2020, we're going to start a new decade. So now we can go back and think about the decade that was and try to think back on who was the best team of this decade. And it was kind of interesting because you had a bunch of World Series winners. It wasn't like one team totally dominated. However... The conversation gets interesting because in the first half of the decade, the Giants won three World Series in that five-year span with the alternate year thing. Yep. The fact that it was the alternate year thing, though, kind of made it weird because it's like you didn't, you never won back-to-back, but you won a World Series, didn't win, you won again, you didn't win, you won again. Correct. Three World Series in a decade, though, was pretty cool. Yes, like, it's solid. It's strong. But then in the back half of the decade, Houston came on strong. In the first half of the decade, Houston was actually garbage. And then the second half is where they've gone into this run. Well, here's the thing. Two and three years would have kind of put an exclamation point at the end of the decade and been like, it, they, they're still a strong contender because of how good they were. Because last year they could have made the World Series 2. Yep. Absolutely. a could have, have
0: a couple things had gone their way.
1: Exactly. And they came within a breath, within a hair, within one victory of winning this one. So the thing is, it's hard to take Houston completely out of it, but they could have put an exclamation point on this thing with the two dominant performances. The, the fact that the San Francisco hasn't been relevant in the second half of the decade makes it a more interesting conversation. The Red Sox had a couple of good teams this decade. So it's like th- there's real conversation that you can throw out there that like there's some teams that can lay claim. And then smack in the middle of all of this, and almost forgotten, because I think it, it happened this decade, Kansas City Royals, who mm-hmm. aren't in contention, but it's just kind of funny that they're there yep. <laughs> in the middle of the whole thing.
0: Well, I mean, you you even have well, yeah, and you even have the Dodgers who haven't actually won anything, but have had a consistent level of regular season success with some moderate postseason. What's funny
1: though is if I'll I'll send you a link to the article too. They were in that conversation because they they had because you have to factor that in. Regular season wins does matter. The fact that you were really really good consistently throughout the decade matters. The World Series is like the exclamation point. It's like the extra piece that is a sauce that puts you over the top. But that discussion I think is fascinating because now that we've got the decade over, like, so who is the most dominant team? Because it's tough. You have a team that dominated the back end. You have a team that dominated the front end. And you have a team that was consistently good throughout but didn't win anything. And then you had a couple of random teams sprinkled in there as well. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you could make a legitimate argument. The point is that the Astros had a chance to propel themselves right to the top of that line. Because they would be the enduring last memory of the, tw- of the 2010s if they had just put the finishing touches on this thing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's another piece that I enjoyed. And then the last piece, uh, you know, that you could argue is under the great uh, karmic what if. The real question is, I don't think it actually had any bearing. However, distractions are distractions. And when you create them yourself, it's an unforced error. Uh, the former assistant GM, Brandon Tabom or Tabman or whatever, doing on a rant with the female reporters about Roberto Osuda, Like, Roberto Osuda being on that team was always going to be controversial. Don't bring attention to it. That- that's like a- that's like the ultimate unforced error. Like, shut up. <laughs> There's really no reason. To...
0: Yeah, I, th- I think just shut up is probably what sums that up as best as possible. All that was to just do was the- so dumb. There was
1: genuinely no reason to say anything. You really could have just... Because here's, here's the interesting thing, and we'll never know. Now, we'll never know for sure now because of the way it turned out. But at the same time, any distraction you create when the Nationals, it was interesting about the Nationals in this year's World Series, is that they were the underdog because Houston was such a powerhouse. But in any other year, the Nationals could have been a favorite against almost any other matchup that you could have put together. They would have been compellingly interesting against almost anybody else because they had that front-line, top-end pitching, and they had great hitters, and they had all the components to be, to be great. So you when you're that close, because Houston was great, and they should have been historically great, and they had a chance to put together a historically great season this year that they blew. But when you're that close and you're that great against another team that is legitimately great, any distraction, any slight edge, anything that takes away from the business to just get the job done is a problem. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if it had any impact at all. But it's just interesting that you put into focus a guy that, Roberto Osuna could have been the guy to pitch the final inning, to win a World Series and clinch it, and now it's not going to happen. At least not this year. Maybe in future, maybe they'll have another run, they'll gear back up and go back for another run after this. But it's hard to say. It's hard to know. So that's another little side angle on the World Series. That's what I said. There's a lot of meat on this bone, the World well, Series. I,
0: but it's, it's not just that. I mean, it's something that, even within a controversy, could, maybe could have not been that big of a deal. But it's the fact that if he
1: just apologized immediately, well, that. But also the
0: fact that Houston denied that it ever happened, put out a statement to that effect. Yeah. Then you know we're called out on that. It was proven that it did happen. Then they had to retract the you know the statement they put out. Like all, it was just one misstep after another, right? If he had just said, "I'm sorry," in the first place, it probably would have gone away. Yeah,
1: I think. But like I said, you created a distraction where there wasn't one. that's the ultimate to me in an unforced error and it's just no absolutely I i
0: think you calling it unforced error is probably the most apt description of that whole saga that there can be
1: yeah it's not a big. It's not a big thing in the grand scheme of things, but it is something worth noting because, as I said, when you're too, when you're so close, now you're splitting hairs. You you the two teams were close enough that you don't want to give the other team any kind of an edge where they don't have to deal with the distraction that you created for yourself. That's that's never a good thing. So I'm not surprised he lost his job, and at the same time, he deserved it because that was a really stupid thing to do. Just in general, forget about whether you forget about whether you're okay with what he said or not. It was a stupid thing to do. Just in general. So that's another piece of that. And a final piece that I'll say about that as well, overall, my takeaway from a lot of this, there's a lot of fascinating things. The whole team of the decade thing was an interesting thing that I found that I was really – that's why I really wanted to discuss it a little bit. The overall legacy of these teams in the series. If, if Washington is nothing else, they can, they can ride on this for a while because that was great for them. And there's a bunch of other teams though that are going to have to look at this series now and wonder – if they miss an opportunity. But at the same time, also, kind of an interesting little side story to this is what about Justin Verlander? And what I say, what I mean when I say that is Justin Verlander has pitched very well in the playoffs in general, but he's still 0-6 in the World Series. And that's despite the fact he does have that ring with Houston. It's weird. He's like, he's avoided a lot of the stigma of Kershaw because he's had great performances leading up to the World Series. So in playoffs in general, he's actually quite good. But for some reason, the World Series just hasn't worked for him.
0: And he also has a ring now, too. Yeah, yeah,
1: he does. But that's the thing. Like in the end, it didn't hurt him. In the end, he still does have. A, it, this would be a different conversation if he hadn't had that first World Series ring in I think 2017. If he hadn't been on that team and they had gotten the job, had not gotten the job done, it would be a different conversation. But it is kind of interesting the the parallels in the sense that Justin Verlander is still more or less at the top of his game, but he just can't seem to get that World Series win. It's just kind of weird the way that's worked out. And then the other teams that have to look at from the outside looking in is. Are the Yankees going to be able to retool and actually come back? Because they lost to a legitimately great team. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if they're actually geared up well to make another run next year. They've got components. They've got pieces. But they're one of those teams, because there's always a team like that, that is just kind of on the outside. They have enough talent on paper. It looks like they could. Opportunities create themselves there, but then you can't get over the hump. And sometimes you just miss the window completely. That's why this Washington run was kind of crazy. Because they were always the team that missed that opportunity. Yeah. They would be really good, and they would just fail. And this is the one time they didn't fail, and they got all the way to the end and actually won the damn thing. So that's why was, sometimes that's what happens. It's weird. That's what, I'm thinking back to like Chicago Cubs in 2016, and they thought that the dynasty was coming together because of all the young players and everything, and we're still waiting. <laughs> it, it didn't yeah. happen.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But at the same time, you know what? Take it when it comes. If well, it comes, just take it. Yeah. You, you have no idea. Anything can happen and you could be it could all fall apart tomorrow. But at least you got the one. It's a Toronto Raptors thing. You got one. Take it. Enjoy it. Have fun. All right. I did want to talk about a little bit of the World Series, so there's there a little go. bit of a World Series recap. We got that in. All right. Dave, talk about uh, some gray gray cups, you know, dark gray cups, light gray. Do what do you got?
0: I mean, I got a lot of things that all right, we can all right. talk Which, about. where
1: do you want to go? Go ahead. Let's let's go Antonio
0: this? Brown first.
1: Our because because,
0: because Antonio Brown is the gift that keeps on giving Future when you have a superstar show. Antonio Brown yeah I don't even know so so here's my thing and then, let me go on a, a couple of points here please that I have so the latest Antonio Brown is he, he put out yet another tweet where he's basically like I mean you can get the exact wording if you want but the the idea where he's like I'm done with the NFL you know they're I, they're not making any more money off my blood and and sweat and all that jazz. And he's like, you know it's not happening. Okay, well, this isn't really that big of a news, I don't think, in the sense that he'd already sort of said that he was done with the NFL, but it's now related to the fact that the NFL has asked to meet with him in relation to some of the, alle- the allegations of sexual assault. So there is sort of that timing piece where I think, in some ways, maybe Antonio Brown was thinking, hey, if I say this, or I put this tweet out, Maybe it's going to take some focus away from the fact that I'm being interviewed by the NFL, whereas I think it does actually the exact opposite based on what's happened. But there's two things in this that I find more interesting than the actual tweet itself or the fact that he's getting interviewed by the NFL. Go on. Okay. So these are... Because one of the things I want to do is I actually went to his Twitter feed because I wanted to see you know, around the thing, what's there. This is Dave hanging around in the dark web right now. Yeah. So first of all, he has uh, he's liked a bunch of tweets from the Mexican Football League. As you do. You know, so it's like, you know, he's basically... Viva la Mexico, Dave! Basically being like, hey, you know what? I'll come play in Mexico. Viva la Mexico, Dave! Hey, you know what? Yeah, viva Mexico. But here's the other interesting thing. You know who likes a bunch of Antonio Brown's tweets? You know who, who Antonio Brown keeps retweeting? Go on. Daniel Baldwin, as in one of the Baldwin brothers. Like, really? Listen,
1: your friend was one of the Baldwin brothers. Does he, read, does he retweet him too? Maybe. But but I was like, this is odd. Everything about Antonio Brown is odd. There is nothing that he has done yeah. in the last maybe 18 months that is not odd.
0: Yeah, but for, for, for some reason for me, the, the Baldwin brother love is...
1: But you know what? I'm at the point with Antonio Brown that he's fallen into, uh, I'll I'll quote, uh, a Bill Simmons-like shtick from back in the day. Antonio Brown has entered the Tyson zone. Are you familiar with this? No. Okay, so conceptually, I'll quickly explain. Obviously,
0: I'm assuming it's linked somewhat to the Twilight Zone and that kind of idea. But but
1: but... also specifically to Mike Tyson. Yeah, so. so... But what that means is, it means when an athlete transcends our regular boundaries of our world to the point that I can tell you a story about said athlete, and no matter how outlandish or ridiculous, you would believe it. Because there's just so much weirdness that surrounds this person that at this point, like, almost everything is in play. Hence what happened with Mike Tyson at his prime, at his peak. Mike Tyson was so crazy that I could tell you that he went in, claimed he was abducted by space aliens, you know, uh, basically went in and robbed a bank half naked while covered in whipped cream. And you could be like... While that sounds weird, I could believe that happened. The point is, no matter how ridiculous the story is, you could be like, okay, plus, under normal circumstances, I would say, like, you're full of crap. But it's Mike Tyson, so it's plausible? <laughs> That's when you've entered the Tyson zone.
0: Yeah, And right now, he, Antonio Brown is there. Oh, and he's, he's been arrived. there for a while.
1: Yeah, but he, now he's, once you're in that zone, man, it's like, there's almost nothing you could tell me that I couldn't be like, I could see that? So him, you know, being an honorary Baldwin, sure, why not? Maybe he could be in a movie with one of the Baldwins, why not? Um, at this point, though, since you entered into the dark web, I almost want to send you an assignment. I, I, I want, I wanted, I almost want to force you to be like, all right, there's only one logical place you can go now. You must go to the YouTube channel and watch the Antonio Brown YouTube channel. Oh yes,
0: yeah, no, I don't think I want to. No, do no, it.
1: you want to? I know you want to.
0: No, I'm not sure. Se- I do secretly, you
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> secretly deep down inside you you're like i have to know what is this fool doing what is he saying because you know is it,
0: daniel baldwin on the youtube channel
1: mate how do i know he's not
0: okay there's no way that, for me then to maybe, know i can't answer then that maybe i will go try and find I that i
1: genuinely out. can't answer that question because i have seen it on my feed here and there but i'm like i refuse to click on it it's like you, you ever seen the ring I, I think I would die. No, if I watched I know,
0: it. but I know the the premise. Of
1: I, that. I, I, I'm I'm fairly confident. I would actually just burst into flame spontaneously if I started watching that YouTube channel. I can't do it. But that's why I but like if but I, you're the, willing
0: to sacrifice me,
1: you, you probably have nothing to live for. The point is that uh, the point is that you know and probably what you should do. And this would be some content that I would put up. I would want I would want a direct <laughs> review and comparison between the Antonio Brown YouTube channel and the Cam Newton YouTube
0: channel because that would be fascinating. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole I'm not prepared to go down. <laughs> he recently
1: passed 100,000 subscribers. I know this because, he had, because one of those videos came up on the feed as well, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. Nope, can't can't go there. The man is probably just talking about hats.
0: How I'm, do I know he's I not reviewing hats? I am proud that you have resisted that, Carlos. I,
1: I, ha- I have to. I, can't. That I spend way <laughs> too much time on YouTube legitimately, and just so everybody knows, uh, this is just a little public service message for everybody. If you have the YouTube app on your phone, now, I have YouTube premium, so I don't know if this applies to the regular YouTube as well. It might, um, if you have the regular app. You can actually see time watched on the YouTube channel, and it'll tell you how much time you've watched in a day, your average, whatever. So I'm just going to show you something. I want you to look at that.
0: Okay. So there's four hours and 14-minute daily average. That's if you watching YouTube in total? Yes. Okay. Daily average. Up 56% from last week. Yeah. Okay, so am I looking at the last seven so days? So right now you've got
1: the last seven days. So how many hours?
0: 29 hours, 38 minutes.
1: I have spent oh comfortably over a day of my life in the last week watching YouTube. Now, mind you, in fairness, I do want to make one point. It, you can kind of cheat that system a little bit because I do watch it at 1.75 to 2 times speed, and I think it counts the total time.
0: Yeah, it probably does. So,
1: so just so we're clear, it's not actually 29 physical hours, I think. Still. Based on, I think, the way they measure it? Still.
0: That's a lot of time watching YouTube
1: So the point is I watch that much YouTube and I still refuse to watch the Antonio Brown or Cam Newton YouTube channel. Not happening. That's a, that's a hard no for me. All right. I do watch enough sports content, though, that it does come up in my recommendations regularly. That's how I know oh. what's going on. And it's like, all right, cool, guys. Good for you. I, I can't. No. Noted. That, that's, a, that's a no. All right. Antonio Brown, what else you got?
0: All right. Uh, let's go. Well, let's go CFL. All right. Uh, here's our Canadian content. Oh, there's a lot of Canadian content. Just wait for the Pretentious Scotts County Running Reward. All right, hit me, Turnbull. What do you got? So, something that kind of struck me as interesting, and I think I'd like to get your thoughts on this. So, I'll put this out first. So, for the for the uh, MOP award, I guess I'll put it like this. So, the, the CFL names their MVP award the MOP, meaning Most Outstanding Player.
1: Which, actually, I do I, as much as I slag the CFL. And they, they deserve a lot of slagging because... You know, the the SS yes for socks. But the point is, I legitimately think that makes more sense linguistically as an award because most valuable is so hard to define. Well, the most outstanding is
0: a little easier. I agree with you because I think if you look at most sports, right, that have an MVP award. Yes. It is the, it is not the most valuable player necessarily who gets that award. Yeah. It is the most outstanding player. More often than not,
1: which is why why Mike Trout has ever won one ever, because he's not
0: valuable. Just just, You're not. just hating on Mike Trout, man.
1: Uh, listen, uh, at some point we'll have a longer conversation about this. Mike Trout is the no calorie superstar. He is the uh, he is made with aspartame. He basically uh, he, it's not real. It's not real sugar, but you know it's, it, there's liquid there. You can consume it. It's he's the empty calorie superstar.
0: There you go. All right, but. Yeah, so I think, I think that's a, a thing I would actually, a trend that I would sort of like to see in other sports, is them changing the MVP to the MOV. Now,
1: player. I was actually going to ask you this question. So based on what you just said, though, would you want them to change it, or would you want them to have both? No. Because I could because actually live with both.
0: Sure, I, I could live with both, but I don't think it's necessary. But the thing
1: is, I would love for there to be a distinction between the best player that year statistically or whatever, because that, I think, is more objectively easier to define, whereas valuable is a little more subjective. Correct. Agreed. So, because I think somebody who's legitimately valuable who might not have the best stats that year but has contributed through through their team winning games and helped them get there and do whatever, I feel like they should be recognized. Maybe they don't have the best stats that year, but maybe they just you know went in and busted their ass and, and got them a couple extra wins that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten. That's the most valuable to me.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough.
1: But this is it. An argument can be made, but if you're gonna, if you're only gonna have one, I do prefer the most outstanding. So I do think the CFL got it right on this one. All right. So th- I did compliment the CFL. There you go. Right down.
0: There you go. Mark it down. Date, timestamp. When you're listening to this podcast, Carlos complimented the CFL. This is a momentous thing.
1: It, it may not happen again. So take it. Take it. Take
0: it. Exactly. So. Something else I find interesting about this, though, is the two candidates. The way the CFL does their awards is each team nominates a player for each award. Yeah. And then it is narrowed down to one person for the East, one person for the West. And then when they have the CFL award ceremony, they one of those two people wins. They fight to the death. That would, also be, that would also probably give you more props for the CFL. In they actually did that. Thunderdome. Even better.
1: I, I'm saying, I, I'm literally
0: giving you... If they you can c- get Tina Turner
1: for it. I'm literally giving you CFL ideas. Hashtag ratings.
0: Hey, you know what? Uh, the TSN contract's up at the end of this year, so that might be something they need for next year. Jokes aside, do you think anybody else is going to be competing for that contract? I don't know. I'm, I think the CBC might go in somewhat for that. We'll see. Do they have money after they, like, buy gum in a coffee machine? No, but I also wonder how much does TSN really want it. I, I think... So,
1: let, 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 quick side. Quick sidebar, uh, because this is a good, this is a good topic. Here's the thing. I think TSN wants it, but I think TSN is also able to go like, wait a minute. We literally don't have anyone competing for this TV contract. Why are we like even paying them?
0: Well, that's the thing. If it depends, like if the number is low enough, because TSN's like, ah, whatever, then CBC may have enough money to pay for
1: it. So. But fair enough.
0: But or get some. Maybe it's one of the things where it's not an exclusive contract for one network.
1: That that that. But the thing is, for the CFL, that might be wise. Um, how I would say though. The thing though is, I feel like TSN could be like, all right, look, tell us what CBC comes back with, and we'll offer you 100 bucks more. And then, you know, they come back and say, okay, so you can have $101. <laughs> so that's all <how> you're getting. <laughs> so the thing is, I don't, I, I genuinely don't know. Because, let's put it this way. CBC's bread and butter, sports-wise, has, always, has been for years, decades, Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. And the Hockey Night in Canada thing They basically only still have it by the good graces of Sportsnet because Sportsnet knew they would get skewered over the coals if they took away CBC's thing. So they actually almost – it's almost like a charitable contribution. They basically gave CBC the right to still have their game. Correct. In return for kind of borrowing and usurping the Hockey Night in Canada thing. Because if you look nowadays with the way that Sportsnet did – now they spent mega money. On that on that NHL deal some years back, so now if you go on Saturday night in Canada, you got the CBC games on, and then sometimes you got a game on City TV, and you got a game on, like you got a game on some weird networks that I don't
0: that well, it's hockey Roger, has. Roger's on. own network. Yeah,
1: but hockey wasn't on those networks not that long ago, but now obviously they are, and actually, and that's great for the team for the Canadian hockey fan. That's actually really awesome because some of those networks you know you get on regular. You know, TV cable packages—not a big deal. But then you get to watch them. You've actually got a couple more options to watch games, which is sweet. You know, for for the viewer, um, you don't need to buy the hockey package necessarily. If you happen to have it, then you get all the games anyway. But if you—but if not, you can watch. You don't have to watch the Leafs game on Saturday night if you don't want to. So I, I think that's the biggest win for Canadian hockey fans. But I'm just saying, the CBC thing is kind of almost a gift. I, I like I said, I don't know if they have the ability to pay for the rights. Basically, the most exciting uh, sports-related thing that I think CBC has been able to execute that I can think of outside of Hockey Net in Canada is, I think they got the Premier 12 Baseball Championship, which I stumbled upon by accident in my parents' house.
0: I don't even know what that is.
1: That is apparently an international competition that I didn't know about that apparently is to qualify for the Olympics. Hmm. So, and they actually have legitimate teams in it. I didn't even know this was a thing. Is Panama in there? Absolutely not. They suck. (laughs) They are what the, the the kids call not good. They are garbage AF. Uh, <laughs> like it's just so bad. But the Dominican Republic is in it. The Team USA is in it. Like Puerto Rico's in it. Like Canada, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like they've got legit. So pretty teams.
0: much everybody except Pan- that plays baseball except Panama. The
1: Netherlands is in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ex- so everyone except <laughs> Panama.
1: <laughs> Listen,
0: we got no hit by the Dutch.
1: I will not have you besmirch
0: the Dutch. Hey man, my background is one quarter Dutch. I just think that's hilarious. Is the Dutch are better at baseball than Panama. There's something wrong with that, Carlos.
1: I, I feel like coming out of retirement in baseball at age thirty six, going out thirty seven, and I go, I will now be the dominant player on
0: this team. It, what a what? low bar. It it might not be a bad idea though. It'll be me and Bruce Chen I mean, carrying. You can still speak Spanish. But yeah, Bruce Chen will probably still be there. Yeah, it'll be me and And Bruce the Ch- weather's better than it is here. Yeah. Well, the only person I will
1: tell you who won't make that team, Ruben Rivera, never again. <laughs> That's a story for another day. All right,
0: okay. Please go on. So if we get we go back to the, the actual candidates for this award. Now? Oh, dear lord,
1: <laughs> is that something? <laughs> All right, please. It's okay. Go on. All right. So <laughs> I, love the, I love that. I love the sidetrack
0: though. We went to yeah, such a good place. It I was. No, it was. I, it was a good sidetrack. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so it's Cody Fajardo. Uh, <laughs> Well, here's. Tell me what they're about. It's interesting. Okay, fine, sure. So he's a quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Who? <laughs> okay, go And on. it's interesting because uh, he's their backup quarterback. He well, we, came well, in. We
1: discussed this, like, forever ago yeah. that, like, th-
0: this has been the year of the backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go Well, on. Look, I mean, look at this. The, the two best teams in the <laughs> CFL, record-wise, are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders sure. and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah. Okay? Both who play the majority of the season, well, with their backup quarterback, but also in a sense that their, their starting quarterback never came back. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, not, and for the Ticats, I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same situation with Saskatchewan, but for the tie Cats, their starting quarterback was out for the year. They, it was an ACL. They knew he was gone. Right. Right? And now they're the favorite to win the Grey Cup. Sure. Anyway, so Cord Ficciardo, who led the league in passing yards as well, which I think is no small feat for a backup quarterback. Right? So I think it's sort of an unusual sort of MOP kind of year because your other choice potentially, is Brandon Banks of the Ticats, who's a wide receiver, right? That is kind of interesting, yeah. I don't... So you have ha- a backup quarterback versus a wide receiver for your most outstanding player. Has a wide receiver won out most outstanding player? Probably for? at some point in time.
1: I feel like that'd be very unusual. I'm sure Milt
0: Steagall has probably won that award. That seems like something that he That's would... That's
1: really... Yeah. You know what? You're making a valid point. Here's the thing. Jokes aside, you're making a valid point because... A wide receiver winning that type of award, even though it's most outstanding player as opposed to most valuable player, it would be hard for a wide receiver to win only because it is such a dependent position. You are relying on the quarterback delivering the ball. At the end of the day, if your quarterback is truly garbage, Baker Mayfield, then you're not going to be able to get the ball, Odell Beckham. But the thing is, like, you need help. You know Larry Fitzgerald can testify that when he had good quarterbacking, it was a lot easier. Just can than, we not?
0: Can we not dredge that man anymore? Like I love Larry Fitzgerald. It's just
1: he deserves better. He does. He deserves so much better. Why is he still in Arizona? He he's loyal to a fault. You I have know. To, you have to kind of credit him though. Like out of all the diva wide receivers, Tony Brown. Out of all the diva wide receivers that have been out there. Larry Fitzgerald has conducted himself with nothing but class and, you know, distinction, and the man is punished repeatedly. No, I mean there were some
0: years where Arizona was good and they made the Super Bowl the one year. The Kurt
1: Warner one though, he was so close. And I was so close to winning that bet. He was so close.
0: You know, like if if you pick just anybody out of I mean a, somebody randomly out of the NFL who you're like, this person is just a good human being and deserves a Super Bowl, the name on the top of my list is Larry Fitzgerald.
1: I think that really NFL people, like if he went ring, I, I don't, he's not going to do it, but if he went ring chasing, I don't think anyone would begrudge him. No. Like just go for it. Give it one last, do the Ray Bork. Give it one last go with a legitimate team and see what happens. No one would begrudge you.
0: So apparently this is the sidebar podcast.
1: But I'm having fun with it. These yeah. are some good sidebars.
0: Uh, anyway, but I, overall, I think that's just an interesting matchup for, for that award, right? Which is something you don't normally see, right? Normally you'd see maybe a quarterback and a quarterback, quarterback and a running back. But but to have a backup quarterback and a wide receiver, uh, albeit, you know, both with really good stats, I find is interesting. I'd also like to give a shout out to the Thai Cats who are basically dominating the East in terms of the awards. I think it's pretty much the Cats have the nominee for every award except Most Outstanding Canadian.
1: So is this a part of the the annual tradition that now, in this scenario, so now they can dominate by having candidates for every award and then be doing really well at the top of the East so that when they inevitably fail in the playoffs, then it'll be more in, more entertaining for the rest of us? Something like that, probably. Yeah. You do realize that they probably should just win the damn Great Cup at this point. You realize there's like four teams in the Great Cup.
0: Yeah. You Only- realize
1: that I won the Great Cup like six times. Only six? Yeah. I only played six seasons. Okay. So you know, but I'm just saying, like you know.
0: Well, I mean, you could all go the Anthony Calvillo route and be like two and seven in the Grey Cup or whatever it is.
1: But the thing is, he, he just doesn't have you know the panache that I do.
0: But hey, um, even he has got a couple.
1: Yeah, he's got a couple. You know, I've got six, and you know, Ogilvie's got two, and he just accidentally stumbled in and he found one of them in a but, case of
0: beer. But when we're saying Ogilvie, are we talking about Emerson Ogilvie or Ryan Ogilvie?
1: Yes. The point is though, that I think he found one of them in a case of beers. What I'm trying to say.
0: Also quite possible. That, that counts. <laughs> just just you know. That's it for the CFL. Ready for my next thing before we add the triumphant end to my notes here? What do you got? I have some early NBA thoughts. He's got early NBA thoughts. And I'm just going to go through them. I will go. I have a list of about six or seven here. And I'll go through them. And if you have anything you want to add or comment on, please do. Go ahead. So, first of all, uh, there's been a lot of hype about the Pelicans this season. Uh, well, uh, Now, uh, before mostly before the season because yeah. of Zion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who's injured him out for the first six to eight weeks of the season. But this team looks good in the sense they got a good young talent. They're offensively very entertaining. They have absolutely no defense right now. Case in point, Okay, we are watching the Raptors play the Pelicans as we record this podcast. And the Pelicans gave up 75 points to the Raptors in the first half. And Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka both went out of the game injured. mm -hmm. They need defense. Um, Also, I think anyone who was particularly worried about the Raptors... Uh, should only be worried about the Raptors on one level, and that is their rebounding. Otherwise, the Raptors look good. Siakam, I think, has taken his game to that next level where people were worried about, you know, who's going to be the the dominating scorer. Spicy P is doing it. Uh, Spicy Serge Ibaka, That's his nickname, man. I
1: got it, I got it. Uh,
0: you know, Fred Van Vliet looks, looks like he should be a starter the way he's playing. You know, you've got Serge Ibaka, who's an early candidate for sixth man of the year. Uh, the thing is, you know, the they look is, they look good. I, do I think they're going to win the thing again? No, but they're right in the thick of it.
1: Yeah. No. Here's the thing, though. Like in the East, the team minus Kawhi Leonard is still very good. So, so the reality is the 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 notion that they were going to drop off all and fall all the way off the map was stupid. Like there was no there was no chance. I thought that they were going to play well, and, and I would say that part of the Kawhi experience was that when they did, they rallied around Kawhi Leonard in the sense that they realized that the only way we're going to win, he, he is great, he is a great player, and he's giving us a certain edge that we don't ha- we didn't have and everything, but at the same time, the only way we're going to win is if everybody is willing to do their job. And given that this this, this unit, minus Kawhi Leonard, did win a championship together, they have seen the, the benefits. So it's a lot easier for Nick Nurse to go in and go, guys, we know that we're down Like our best player, quote-unquote, so the only way this is going to work is if everybody comes in to do their job. So when Siakam picks up his game, perfect. When you know, Van Vliet does his job, great. The point is there is no room for any of these guys to have a gigantic ego because there's no quote-unquote superstar. Siakam could become a superstar, quote-unquote, but even as a superstar, he's going to be like a second-tier one at best. Like he's got certain capabilities, but he's not on the Giannis, LeBron James, you know, Uh, Kawhi Leonard level. Like, he's not on that level. Or KD when he comes back. He's not on that level. But that means he's, like, the perfect type of superstar for this type of team. Because uh, everybody's bought in, like, hey, what the heck? We already won. We're in house money anyway. We may as well try to play as well as we can. See what we can do. And if they get to the playoffs and win a round or something, I'd consider that a great victory. i consider that pretty good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lakers looking dominant. LeBron looks like a man reborn. Basically being... Saying anyone to anyone who thinks I'm old, hold my beer.
1: (laughs) I'd be more impressed were it not for the fact that for the first time in his entire career, he basically got to take he got to rest during the playoffs. One, so no, did big deep playoff run. So he got to recharge his batteries for the first time in years during a playoffs. But number two, also, um, given that he has Anthony Davis, he is as motivated as he's been in a long time because his first year with the Lakers it was kind of a write off. Any realistic person knew that that was a write-off. And at the same time, I don't know if LeBron James was there in the shape that he can be. And now I think he's in the shape that he can be. I think he's, he's like, all right, this is about as good an opportunity as any here. If I'm going to do it with this, with this franchise here, I got pieces that I can work with. Yeah. And, and Golden State has fallen off the face of the earth. So, Correct. So, like, that's going to help. <laughs> that can only assist in this situation. And nobody in the East is, like, destructively dominant. There's some really good teams, nope. but I don't think anybody's that dominant. Speaking like of the Kimba East, Park. I'll go
0: in there, too. I have a couple more things, go but uh, Boston is looking like, really looking like uh, Kyrie Irving was the issue, and the chemistry was a problem, and now that that's not a problem anymore, and they basically replaced Irving with Kyrie Walker, or, or sorry, they've replaced Kemba, Ky- Walker. Kemba Walker is the, one, the replacement, that, uh, yeah, they look pretty good. And uh, Kyrie Irving is causing his own drama in uh, Brooklyn. So, yeah. you know what? Maybe he is the problem.
1: Well, he, he's a head case. Um, he, he should go on the Antonio Brown's YouTube channel. I think they'd have a good time. But the, um, but the thing is that the Boston Celtics are kind of the opposite of what happened with the Raptors. They had a team that did the do-your-job thing, and they did very well. They were almost there at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals, almost getting to the NBA Championship. Then they got Kyrie Irving, and it all went in the tank. You know, they got Kyrie Irving back for full season, and it went in the tank because all of a sudden everybody realized we don't actually need the guy. Uh, so it, it created this problem where he had this idea. It's like, I'm the star, and blah, 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 and all of you defer to me. And they're like, wait a minute. We were in the playoffs, and we played very well without you. And we did, and we got almost right We were right on the cusp of getting to the next level, to getting to that spot. And it's because they were able to agree to work as a team. That's why I say, like, the Raptors in this case have one advantage over them. They did win the thing. So it's a lot easier for all the players to come back in and buy in and, hey, you know what? We're on house money. Let's give it a try. Where the Boston guys felt just short, but then they got in this malcontent in there who just tried to take over, and it was weird. Yeah, Chemistry-wise, it was just weird. And I don't think... And also, Gordon Hayward just was still kind of damaged goods. And I think from what I from what I hear, he's playing better.
0: Yeah, so it sounded like he was. Really, they really tried to bring him back too, too soon.
1: Yeah, and I think and I think it helped to have that additional time to heal up and get back closer because he was a good player when they brought him in, and they thought he would be a really good player for them, and it just didn't work out yet. Exactly. So, it's it's a fair point. It's a good observation. But I think I think the whole chemistry thing is just because at this point, Kyrie Irving is addition by subtraction. Like he he just. The only time i ever worked with Kyrie Irving was when he had LeBron because LeBron was such a big personality and overwhelming that he's like, I'm going to stifle you, little man. Do your job. You have one specific thing you do. Do that thing and we'll win. And they did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then my last thing is uh, welcome back load management.
1: Listen, we did some load management on this podcast. We took, took a little time off it's of the true. trip. And, and we, and I, I, I will be blunt.
0: Listen, and are we any worse for it? No. Listen,
1: I will have you know, sir, I will have you know, that not to toot our own horn, but these segues and complete, complete offshoots have been gold. It's true. There's, there's, I can't deny that. been there's some, there's some taken shots at Antonio Brown. I've taken shots at Mike Trout. The only, th- like, literally, the only thing this load management situation has done, the only thing we could do, that would be better than the load management we just did would be to immediately go, we are, we are getting a little, we are getting a little older, Dave, you know, we have to kind of think we could go on an HGH TB 12 cycle, you know, that, that might have, that might help us. And, you know, we could win yeah. a couple of
0: Super Bowls. We're, we're not there yet.
1: Any, any minute now. I'm just saying, listen, he started right around, he started right around this point. it's like, you know, he, he had the resurrected career, you know, he had the same career track as a Barry Lamar bonds, except for some reason we don't look at Tom Brady. Just a little questionable. Just, just saying the exact same career trajectory. With the with the early '40s thing and playing about the same, Barry Lamar Bonds,
0: just just I'll just leave that out there.
1: I just, I just thought I'd do it. I, I I wouldn't we wouldn't have a resurrected podcast, you know, resurgent, you know, return if I didn't take an unprovoked shot at Tom
0: Brady. This is true. All Let's right, go. so those are my early season NBA thoughts with Carlos's commentary and sidebar. And now, Gold. Car- and now, Carlos, the intro, please. Ugh. You knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah, And if you didn't, you should have expected it.
1: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. All right. The uh, most exciting segment uh, for anyone in, in parts of the... Th- basically, wherever poor people reside. The favorite segment of the poor people of the world, the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Trimble.
0: And this week, it's all about Canadian soccer. Whoa. And, when I, and so let's go there. Because some interesting things have happened in Canadian soccer, basically, since we've last been on the air, which are worth noting. Uh, so first of all, and in no particular order, I think it's actually, well, yeah, most recent to not so recent, but Hamilton won the Canadian Premier League Championship.
1: Oh, dear Lord, I forgot about this thing. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs>
0: okay. So Forge FC is your Canadian you Premier League Championship. I went to the opener. Okay. Of which I got a free ticket, and basically Bob Young gave away tickets to anyone who wanted to go to that game.
1: You You are truly... A, a connoisseur and a patron of Canadian soccer. Well,
0: look at this. I thought that I like I won the. T- I got an email like you won. I'm like sweet. I won a ticket, and and then I find out that really no anybody who wanted to go could go for free. He just wanted to pack the stadium, and you know,
1: it was Which weird. I got, it, it, was, it was a good crowd. It was weird. One of one of my Great Cup wins was when I got an email like that. You won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was weird. It, it was it happened almost uh, the same way. It's so
0: con- I just want to say congratulations to Hamilton. Uh, it was a home and away against Calgary. Or Calgary FC, which is in Calgary, uh, and Hamilton won both legs, one to nil. No. Do you
1: have any idea how wonderful it would be if Calgary FC was in Edmonton?
0: Yes, or in like Nunavut, that'd be great. Uh, the other thing that I found was interesting is that they said that before the season started, the thing was they said that they needed f- about four thousand average attendance throughout the league to be sustainable. Okay, sure. Okay, uh, and they averaged about forty two hundred.
1: That seems kind of low, but yeah, I guess so. How much were the tickets?
0: Like twenty bucks. So four thousand. So maybe. So now five, I don't know about other teams. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some venues were bigger than others, yeah, and, yeah, for sure. and some but,
1: but 4, had smaller 000, crowds. So, 4, 000, so was that? Did they have like different tier tickets, or was it like kind of like a general admission thing?
0: I think there were there were for Hamilton, but I, I'm only familiar with Hamilton games. I never looked up for any other team. Now, fair then.
1: enough. But even if you average it out at that twenty bucks, you're talking like eighty grand a game. How much are you playing the players?
0: Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> that's what they said. Are you Keep them like Timmy's gift cards, like what are, you, what are you giving them? Okay. But sure, that's what they said, and uh, they've they've exceeded what they the threshold they set for the first year, which I think is is good for the league and good for Canadian soccer. The second piece, believe it or not, Toronto FC is back in the MLS Cup final, which takes place on Sunday.
1: Is that why you're wearing the
0: Toronto FC sweater? Yes, that is correct.
1: By the way, actually, uh, minus the Toronto FC, you know, which makes it lame. That seems like a good quality sweater.
0: Yes, it's nice. Very nice. Also, Benny T is traveling to Seattle for that game. What? That's right. He bought a ticket. Uh, and he's uh, via Vancouver going to Seattle with a friend to go to that game. So do you know what I have to say to that? Please, let's hear it. <clears throat> What? How is it fair that this kid has that much money?
1: So what I'm thinking here is, uh, you know, I could I could go the really lazy route. This is the low brow hanger, for, you know, entitled millennials. Uh, in this case, you know, even younger. Uh, well, I think he's still a millennial. By I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go with entitled millennials, but I'm a millennial. I'm an OG millennial. So uh, so I'm not going to go that route. No, I'm going to go a different route. This this right here sounds to me like a self indulgent wiener with too much bloody money. <laughs> like what the. Go to Seattle to see Toronto. Guys, we gotta go to Seattle. Why are we going to Seattle? We're we gonna see a space needle? No. We're gonna we're we gonna go check out like Nintendo and some of the other Microsoft and the things that are over there in Washington State? No, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna go see Toronto SC play the Seattle team. Yeah
0: So but two things. One is the Seattle Sounders, that's their name. Woo. Also, it is in CenturyLink Field. They should have
1: come with Seattle SuperSonics. It is,
0: it is in the Seattle Seahawks Stadium. So there is that. Do they think they can fill it? Uh, you did sold out
1: for like a football. Well, it wouldn't be wouldn't be a football configuration. I guess
0: like sixty seven thousand tickets they sold, something like that. <clears throat> we're about to go into another sidebar. Uh, so I'm gonna begin with this.
1: My my reply is gonna be what? Uh, my sidebar is uh, I was actually having a conversation with with my mom uh earlier last week where I where I did we're basically a line like that, and she it, 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 and I was laughing because she tried to like mimic that, and she and she just can't hit that note. She's just not the vocal range. That's why I said like unfortunate. But that's why I said like it's like it's really it's really kind of it's really kind of sad how the lack of you know vocal talent you have, and then you keep trying to sing. It's just it's just very sad. Like I said, a little sidebar. Just thought to throw that in there. Nope. Um But no, the what is very appropriate. Like what? <laughs> that that. I, although I suppose, hold on. Although I suppose, in fairness, as much as I like to knock MLS, they have been very successful in some markets. And it is a championship game. It's a one-game playoff, right? Correct. Okay. So yeah, for one-game playoff in the championship game, and there have been some markets that have done well in stretches, um, and they do have some name players and stuff. So, and TFC at least in recent times has played very well, um, because isn't this like their second, third run in a championship this is their, or something? Their
0: third MLS Cup final in four years. Yeah. So that's pretty good. That's that's pretty solid. Uh, and and it's also impressive they did it as a four seed. So they beat uh, DC United in the first game five one in the playoffs, which was sort of expected, and they were the higher seed in that game that was in Toronto. But then they went on the road and beat uh, NYCFC uh, two to one, and they Literally were the number they're called one
1: seed. NYCFC, correct? Wow!
0: And they beat Atlanta United in Atlanta, and they had over forty thousand for that game.
1: So, out of curiosity, in that Atlanta United game, was Atlanta up twenty eight to three late in the no. game?
0: They were up 1-0, though. They were up, and did lose. <laughs> so, there is that.
1: Then maybe they should have kneeled for the rest of the game. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough, enough, enough Super Bowl Patriots <laughs> jokes.
0: You know you know what? That Because I'm a Saints fan and I hate the Falcons, that will never get old for me. They should have kneeled. They should have
1: kneeled and held the lead.
0: And then, finally, uh, something that hasn't happened since the 80s The Canadian men's national team beat the United States men's national team 2-0 at BMO Field. And it actually looks like the Canada team may actually be better overall than the American team. And may actually have a better shot at making the next World Cup than the U.S. So that is significant. I'll let you comment on that.
1: I have genuinely no context, so I'm going to ask a question. Sure. My question is as follows. Is this a case of the Canadian men's national team being good enough to beat the US or is it a case of the men's national team being similar to what happened with the men the American men's basketball team where they had players who had some talent but they had barely played together so other international teams who had much who had inferior talent but had actually played together were then able to beat them
0: no, I think it, it's closer Because of the way international soccer works too and how much time you actually get with your national team, I, I think it's closer to the former rather than the latter in the sense that Canada's just better right now. Uh, American soccer is kind of in a, a disarray a little bit. You've had a bunch of older players sort of move on and that next generation is kind of middling and hasn't really stepped up. Do and we- you still have some old guard that is playing, but isn't playing you know sort of where they were but they haven't had anyone really come up and and replace them yet there's so obviously some good players on the team there's just not enough of them
1: the reason i'm posing this question is because is a playoff of your mention about the mls thing um you would think then given that and you said it's in seattle right
0: the mls cup final yes. yeah yeah
1: so given that it's in seattle and they sold it out and did whatever like you feel like there's enough exposure in the u.s where they should be able to have developed some players that should be ready to take over because that's really what it is. It's it's any any international sporting event. It's do you have the players to cycle through? You're always going to have your veteran players who are going to hold it down, and then you you transition over to another generation of players. And um, not that long ago recently, the um, the Canadian women's hockey team was honored. I think the 2010 team was honored for thing. I don't remember exactly what it was. Because, but, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of Canadian women's teams that were really good. So, I'm a lot of them have been honored for a lot of things. The point, though, is that the whole reason why the international women's game uh, for Canada has done so well is that they've always, all right, we got the veteran players, the Haley Wickenheisers, the whoever, and then you get the young players, they play for a while, and then they become the veterans, and then the next one, and then that, blah 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 blah. blah. Exactly. And then the cycle continues and continues. And in the US, it's exactly the same thing. That's why those two programs have been so good. A lot of the other international teams in women's international hockey, the reason why they've struggled is because they don't have that back, uh, back end yet. They haven't built up that foundation of, like, these are the good players who have played well, and then the next generation come in and kind of learn and play with them, and then they, they phase out, and the new ones take over. They just don't have that backing, even though historically they have it. But that's how the international thing works, is that if you're going to have international teams, you, you have to have the veterans to hold it down, and then, But then you need the influx of the young players to, to, be re- to take over as they learn on the job, so to speak. Mm. So I don't know. Um, it does surprise me, though, that there's a gap. Because effectively what you're saying is there's a little bit of a gap where the next generation isn't quite ready yet. Which is right. a little weird, given that it's been kind of ongoing. Like it's been consistent, so where did the gap happen? What, what, went, there? what went on there?
0: Well, I think that's a, a question that I don't fully know the answer to. Yeah. But I think it it's, you know, I mean, soccer does kind of go, sometimes in the international, goes through these lulls and, and dips and and, and whatnot. There's, there's few, even the greatest teams in the world, you know, or the consistently greatest teams in the world, like somewhere like Italy, right? Italy didn't make the last World Cup. So, I mean, it does happen periodically where you kind of have a dip and... Then, you know, they figure things out, and then they're back on track all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. No, that's fair enough. It's, it's always been weird to me, though, when there's those lulls in the, like, international sports, because it's like, okay, you know, I don't know. It seems a little odd. But anyway, fair enough. All right. Anything else you want to add in there?
0: That's all I got, man.
1: All right. See? I even contributed to that one. There you go. We're, we're back in rare form, plus our,
0: plus our tangents. Our sidebar been- game is, is strong. <clears throat>
1: Strong, strong. One more quick thing. It's uh, it's not really a news note, but it was something that amused me. Um, did you hear about the thing about the San Diego slash London Chargers?
0: Yes, yes. I did. I did. <laughs> and and the, the the amount of denials that have come out of Los Angeles about it. You
1: just the, like, wait,
0: did you say San Diego? I did. Okay. Did, I did you do that on purpose? Yes, I totally did. Okay.
1: Yeah, I refuse to acknowledge. Like, they're not the Los Angeles Chargers. No one cares about them in Los Angeles.
0: This is also true. Yeah,
1: like genuinely, no one. The, the L.A. Rams are the only team in L.A. Let's move on. Like, seriously. Um, it's adorable. They're going to share that stadium with the Rams. Yeah, great. Uh, the Rams will then sell out the stadium. And
0: then the L.A. Chargers. I feel you're giving the Rams too much credit for selling out the stadium.
1: I think they actually will sell out the stadium. Because I think the novelty will be there for a little while. At least for the first little bit.
0: Maybe for a couple of because
1: years. Because it is a new mega stadium. And apparently it's supposed to be really, really nice. Like at the very least, people will be like, "Oh, let me let me check it out." Here's the thing: there will be some people that will go like, "Oh, are the Patriots playing here? Oh, cool." Or you know, are the you know, are whatever Fair insert enough. team du jour. Fair enough. Yeah, I think at the very it'll be similar to what happened when the Lakers weren't that great a little while ago, where people would still or the LA, better example, the LA Clippers when the LA Clippers suck for a long time, they would still draw some fans because they would come to see the other team. So, I think there'll still be a little bit of a draw there, especially in a new fancy schmancy mega stadium. I'll give you that. So, I think that'll be at least a little while. But I think the, the Chargers just struggle to draw flies. I think they're just not going to. Here's the thing I think, I think logistically it would be a nightmare, but I have to be honest. I actually think the London Chargers idea would be fantastic. I actually think that they would actually do better in London. Or, better yet, here's a real cool idea. You're going to love this. You ready? Move back to San Diego. You idiots. Like, now in fairness, I would continue to hold tight if I was San Diego. I'm not giving you a free stadium of any kind. You want a stadium, build it your damn self. But I've been on this bandwagon for everybody. Don't build, don't give them money for a stadium. Or if you're going to give them money for a stadium, charge them rent forever in perpetuity. You want a stadium, fine. You don't own it. What about the naming rights? You don't get them. It's my stadium. I'm paying for it. It's mine. Like, yeah fair enough th- that, that's what I'm saying these municipalities need to get out of this they need to start taking a more business like mentality themselves it's like no 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 no. no. you're basically asking for a loan what am I getting in return oh we make jobs oh cool I can have a couple of Mick jobs in the stadium a couple of times a year woo like that's garbage yeah oh you can build around it I could build around it without the stadium the stadium costs billions of dollars I can build a whole bunch of shit there I could literally just build a sinkhole and then hire construction people to do that. That makes jobs. It's a waste of time, but it makes jobs. Yeah. <clears throat> the A stadium is like the worst investment a municipality can make. The return on investment is terrible. If you're going to build a stadium for somebody, charge them rent in perpetuity. And if you want it, you have to sign like a hundred-year lease, and you're going to pay rent in perpetuity. Because I need the money back from that stadium. I can't build one that I can't use for shit. That's stupid. That's just my general feeling on like, you know, building San Municipality. These guys need to start getting out of because if all the Municipalities stop paying for it, it forces these owners like, if you really want a stadium so damn badly, build it your damn self. Also, on a related note, maybe if you started doing this, maybe they would build their own stadiums and maybe they would build stadiums that were designed to last. Fenway Park still exists. Is it perfect? no. <laughs> Is it still around? Yes. Wrigley Field? Still around.
0: Well, and they also make uh, a continued improvements to those stadiums too.
1: You have to keep retrofitting them. But the point that I'm trying to make is those stadiums were built with the idea that they weren't going to be obsolete in 20 years. They were not designed for that. They were designed with the idea, oh, no, we'll build the stadium and then you'll do. But give you a good example. I'll give you a different example. We'll go back to football.
0: All right.
1: City, I I want to say City Park or City Field or whatever. What, what team are we talking about? Whatever the predecessor of Lambeau Field was. There was a different name. It was like City Stadium or City Municipal Stadium or whatever. I okay. forget what the original name was. The point is before it became Lambeau Field, you had a field there. Lambeau Field is built in the same piece of land that the original stadium was built in. So what you kept doing is you just kept retrofitting and expanding and expanding on the original piece of land. Mm -hmm. It was, it's effectively the same stadium. Mind you, obviously, the current day Lambeau Field is way nicer, it's bigger, it's got bigger capacity, all that. It's the same damn stadium. Yeah. The core, the baseline, the spot where you built it is the same spot. You didn't find another piece of land a couple of miles away and then build another thing. No, that's the same. So the neighborhood that was built around it is still the same neighborhood. So the point is, Lambeau Field at this point is an institution. So now it's like it's taken on, in the football context, it's taken on that same uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: feeling, sensation that you have. Who is arguing to tear down Wrigley Field? Who is arguing to tear down Fenway? If I mean, you to- it
0: did, the Fenway argument did happen. But sure. There, but, but there's so much pushback from the community. Abso-
1: but the thing is, here's the thing. If you were the Boston Red Sox and you were right now running another championship team, you could, you could build another stadium somewhere else in, in Boston. But it wouldn't be the same. And also, you've got the structure and bones. We'll just jack up the ticket prices. That's what they do. But the the point is that, and obviously, like, the best example of that was the the green monster seats. They didn't exist when the stadium was built, and then you added them in. So the point is, you can do little things there. And by the way, the capacity of Fenway Park is still relatively small.
0: Yeah, especially compared to the MLB average. Yeah. It's below average.
1: But you manage. The point is, you, you find a way, you make it work. But the, the point is that.
0: Well, yeah, they've done a really good job of maximizing their revenues.
1: Exactly. But the point is that you build that stadium. You, those stadiums were built with the notion that they were going to be around for a while. They weren't built with the idea that, hey, you know what's going to happen? In 20 years, oh, now it's old. Tear it down, build a new one.
0: Yeah, which is really ridiculous.
1: It gets really expensive to keep building new stadiums all the time. Like, the, the next football mega stadium is going to cost like two or three billion dollars. That's why the. Um, which is just
0: stupid when you really think about that's it.
1: That's why I, I, won't, I promise I won't go too much further down this rabbit hole, but all, my, my main point is that's the reason why the whole argument for many years around here was always, oh, what would it take to get to the NFL in Toronto? Like about $6 billion. That's what it would take. Because the problem is, no matter what you do, oh, you can use Roger. No, you can't use Roger Center. It won't work. It, it's, it's not designed properly for that. It just can't do it. Yeah. So it, it was designed for a multi purpose stadium, which isn't good enough to make that happen. You have to build it. So you have to find a piece of land. You have to build a, it's going to cost you multi-billions of dollars to build the stadium and then it's going to cost you multi-billion dollars to get the team. Whether it's through buying a different team and bringing it over, you know, a relocation fee or an expansion fee. Either way, nobody can afford that. It That's the reason why it doesn't work. Plus you can't have corporate ownership in the NFL. So, you know, Rodgers would have done it already if they could afford to do that, but they can't. They don't have a choice. So it's, that's the problem is like it's a bad business bad business model to get into at this stage. Um, even with all the TV money, if you're already in the NFL, so be it. You're good. You're good to go. You got part of the T V pie, you're solid. But like, you're not gonna build a new stadium. That's why, as long as you can hold a municipality hostage, why that's why the Raiders are going to Las Vegas. Like, if you can find a sucker municipality is willing to shut out money to basically put you up rent-free and let you have all the revenue. Well, that's a great business deal for you. Dumb as hell for the municipality, but... Agreed 100%. But that's my... I'm off my soapbox. But the, the whole thing is I genuinely dislike the whole idea of build a new stadium for a team. I'm like, why? You know what? If you go away, that sucks, but I'll live. I, I just don't see a value in continuously doing it. That's why it's going to be interesting to me in the long run to see what happens with the Jays and Rogers and everything in the long run because I don't think you're getting another stadium. Not for a long-ass time, because guess what? We can keep retrofitting the dome. It may not be your optimal choice. It probably shouldn't have been your first choice in the first place with, when you designed it. But it's the one you got. And I don't see another spot where you can put one.
0: Yeah, so exactly.
1: That's it for that. All right, cool. I just wanted to have a quick discussion about that. The, but in, the upshot of this is, honestly, if you could get it, the NFL team in London, I'd at least give it a shot. Logistically, it would be interesting. But I think it's doable. And it would be kind of cool to, to have that 9.30 game, though. That would be kind of funny.
0: Yeah.
1: On a regular basis. I'd be down for it. Yeah, I kind of enjoy it. All right, so that's am good, good with that. You got anything right, else so what ask? are
0: you looking forward to, Carlos?
1: <laughs> uh, right now, honestly, um, it's tricky because now I, I haven't really gotten into the hockey too much yet. I'm going to try to get into it a little bit. Uh, football's weird right now. Um, without getting into another tangent, my fantasy team sucks. Uh, they're average. You know, they're, they're all right. But it's. I think everybody. I think everybody's. I think I've put together that team with Scotch tape and used gum. Like.
0: <laughs> well, you did have. You do have a lot of injuries. Too. Like
1: I have. Philip Rivers sucks. Speaking of speaking of the charge, he sucks so bad. He sucks so so bad. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, and you know you know who my backup is
0: now. No, who is your backup? Andy president? Dalton. Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> like, but, like, the fact that I've won any games is incredible. Any, any weeks is amazing. That's Literally, it's... duct tape and use gum, Dave.
0: Hey, duct tape for, for the gum. record, if anyone, if anyone is paying attention that really cares about fantasy football, it's a 12-team league and Carlos is sixth, which means he is in the playoff position right now.
1: Considering the fact that's because I have the Patriots defense. With
0: a 5-4 and four record, and yes, the only reason he's actually he actually have above 500 record is the Patriots defense. Yes. We did a good pickup. And right? this week
1: they have a bye week. <laughs> so so like,
0: this team blows so hard.
1: <laughs> I did the best I could, but all my players got injured. Like, literally everybody.
0: And your forecast to lose, you have a 36% chance to win this week, Carlos.
1: It seemed like a good idea at the time.
0: Philip Rivers, who was get, uh, supposed to get eighteen point nine four points, and got ten point seven. He
1: threw a pick six. He sucks so bad. <laughs> 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 there, there's, there's your fantasy. There's your fantasy football update. He sucks. Philip Rivers sucks so bad, so so bad. Yeah. Oh, this man's garbage. All right. So with that said, uh, I think we covered everything on your list. Yes. Uh, what I'm looking forward to, as, as I said, is <laughs> I'm still enjoying the football. Uh, Pitiful fantasy aside, uh, no, I'm still enjoying the games, although last week was kind of garbage. I'll be honest, it wasn't really any good. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And and I'll be honest with you, we'll discuss it more next week, I think, or, you know, in future weeks here. I'm still not convinced the Packers are any good. So it's one of those things. In fairness, though, and here's my, my thought that I will leave everybody with this week. I'm not sure if anybody's any good. And it's it's kind of I've kind of said this before, but like I really mean it. Like the, in fairness, there's there's components of teams that are really good. I think Lamar Jackson is very good. I think he's playing phenomenally well. I think uh, Russell Wilson's played phenomenally well. I think there are components of teams or segments of teams, like the Patriots' defense, is very good. So like there are pieces that are good. I just don't think there's one coherently good team on offense and defense with the players, and it's like I think every team is there for the taking, which means the playoffs are going to be fascinating. When we get to it, because it's going to be... I think it's going to be very much rock, paper, scissors. As much as any other year, it's going to be like, no, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. Who your opponent is is going to determine whether you've got a shot or not. Because there's some teams that's like, on paper maybe are worse than you, but no, they can beat you. Because yeah. they just have the right set of components. Yeah. How about yourself? Anything you you can to?
0: Yeah, so, oh. three... Th- football. But a different kind of football. Uh, MLS football? Cup. Football. So, as, a, as mentioned in the Bertrand Cross country running report, the MLS Cup, which is on Sunday, uh, Toronto and Seattle, and then also the CFL playoffs. You know, Ben, ben could have stuffed you in the trunk,
1: right? You know, you could, if you he could have
0: just turned you into, but, you a, know, into a bag. And then you money just, and other things.
1: <coughs> ben could have paid for you. He's a self-indulgent weeder with too much bloody money. Did we not just establish this earlier? Oh, there's that
0: too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the CFL playoffs. So when we does that actually start? This week, Sunday. So what? you have Edmonton playing Montreal in the Eastern semifinal. Gotta love the crossover teams because Toronto and Ottawa suck so much. Listen,
1: I often I often think of Edmonton as an Eastern team.
0: Please continue. And then in the West you have Winnipeg at Calgary.
1: In the game, no one cares about. Okay, uh, sorry. Go back. to What was the first one? It was uh, it was Edmonton, Edmonton
0: in, uh, in Montreal.
1: Okay, and then uh, and then the winner of that will play Hamilton.
0: Yes, and the winner of the West uh, semi plays Saskatchewan. Woo.
1: That's um, that that's the thing. a thing that happens. Yes. So there you go.
0: Uh, so I'm gonna and then uh, the Raptors have some. They're on a big road trip right now. So they've got, for example, they played New Orleans tonight. They have the Lakers on Sunday night, and they've have uh, they play, I think they play Clippers. They play in Dallas. So they play a lot of good teams on the road. So I think there's gonna be a lot of good basketball this coming week too. Hopefully, that's, anyway.
1: That's fair. I think it'll be. I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, right now, I think the NBA for me is still too early because. Um, Really, and I've never shied away from this. The NBA only interests me in two areas: uh, playoffs and unnecessary drama, which the NBA has, in
0: spades. <laughs> Say, there's a, there's a lot of the second one there. Yeah, but, but
1: that's what I'm saying. But like, it's still it's still percolating. Like, it's still the the unnecessary drama hasn't quite hit critical mass yet. Mm. But we're getting there. We're getting it will. There. You know, maybe, it will. You know, maybe we'll have maybe we'll have someone randomly like stab somebody, and then we'll get, we'll get there. But you know we'll arrive as time goes on. You know, still we're still warming our way into it. Still warming our way into it. That's fair. All
0: right, that's what I got for you.
1: All right, good stuff. Well, I think uh, this has been an exciting edition of the of the uh, unnecessary Nonsense podcast. We've, we've had some tangents. We've we've gotten in all our greatest hits. We've gotten in all the standard the standard notes have been hit, and uh, you know. Um, the next, time that, uh, the next time that Ben feels like just spending money and making it rain randomly. I got ideas is what I'm trying to say. Like, going to, going to Seattle to see a freaking soccer game. Like, for God's sake. Douchebag. <laughs> garbage. Anyway. All right. With all that said, quickly, we will do shameless plugs before I mutter more curses under my breath. We are on Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcasts. On Twitter, at Unnecessary underscore pod. You know, at some point I may just have to make you in charge of some of these social media because I'm garbage at updating them.
0: This is It's, fair. it's really
1: bad. Uh, anyway, our site, where you can see archived versions of our previous episodes. And I have noticed a bit of an uptake in some people listening, so maybe some new people are hearing some of this stuff. So it's unnecessarypod.podbean.com. That's where you can check out previous episodes if you want to check out some of our stuff. Occasionally, we'll do a little bit more evergreen content, so you can see some stuff that isn't just time-sensitive. So that's the thing. And then... Um, <clears throat> You can also check us out on YouTube if you look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The advantage of that is you'll get archived versions of all the episodes with cartoon versions of our faces, which is which is a gift that keeps on giving, all in and of itself. However, if that's not enough for you, occasionally I will throw in there an unnecessary nonsense podcast extra. There hasn't been one in a little while, but I think as we go into as we settle into the playoffs, I may even have a little fun at the CFL's expense. Maybe. I can't promise that I will, but I might. Maybe but I the mean. people
0: want it, Carlos. Listen, people... the only unnecessary
1: nonsense podcast extra that people want is they want you doing the proper review of the Cam Newton and Antonio Brown YouTube
0: channels. They need Give it a time. Give it time. Soon,
1: soon, this desperation and sadness will creep over you. The darkness will hit you. And you'll be done with Twitter and looking at that feed. And you'll want to check out the YouTube channel of Antonio Brown and Cameron Newton, who recently hit 100,000 subscribers and got the plaque. Ooh. Oh, yes. Think about that. Just say just saying. And that's it for us. And that leaves us with this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. We will catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening.